Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Tonight, we're going to talk about one of the most important topics we could ever talk about. This is literally one of the most important issues that we've never really went into detail on on the channel, but it's so essential. It's so necessary. I was praying just a few days ago, Lord, what do you want me to share? Do you want me to jump into the book of Ephesians? Do you want me to do this? And I thought like the Lord says, I want you to give people strategy, revelation, and tips to evangelize. Most people, here's the reality. Most people do not share their faith. Most people never open up their mouth about God to their unsafe friends and family. And the only reason why you're even in this broadcast is because someone shared the gospel with you. Whether that was a friend, a family member, a preacher, Romans 10, 14. I hope you have a notebook because we're going to go over a lot of stuff and I need you to take notes tonight. Romans 10, 14 says, but how will people call on him who they've not believed in? And how will they believe in him who they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher or without a messenger? Here's the reality. The world needs you to share the gospel with them. The world needs you to share the good news. Now we've taken the sovereignty of God and manipulated it into saying, well, God doesn't need me because if God wants to save somebody, he'll do it himself. That's not the way the Bible works. God has commissioned us. God has anointed us and God has called us to share the good news. And really, I often wonder how good the news is if we don't ever share it. I mean, we go to church, we're like, we have this good news of Jesus Christ. And then we look throughout our entire week, our month, our last six months. And if we were honest with ourselves tonight, those of you listening, those of you watching the replay, and we said, when was the last time I shared my faith with anybody? We couldn't remember. We couldn't tell the last time that we shared our faith, yet we come and say, man, this is amazing news, and the world isn't buying it. They're not convinced because we are not sharing it. A recent poll I read said this, 80%, and I think it's actually more than this, but 80% of Christians in the last six months have not shared their faith. And most Christians, this is what the poll said, have never shared their faith. So you have all the time in the world, It's not like you don't know anybody, and I'm going to show you strategies later and places you can share your faith to share the gospel with somebody, this good news that we have, and yet we are on mute as the church. The church of America is mute. We don't make disciples. We don't preach the gospel. Our, 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 really, our only goal is how many people can we get in to warm a chair on Sunday morning, hear us preach about our best life now, and they leave the same. And that is not biblical. That's not the gospel Jesus preached. It's not what Jesus told us to do. And I'm going to show you very clear instructions here, but people need us. So you are needed. If you bought into, well, God could just do it. God needs you and God wants you and God desires to empower you. Now, God is going to do his thing no matter what. At the end of the day, he will come back, establish a government. But there are real people right now that may go to hell because of your disobedience. Imagine that your disobedience could be the reason why friends and family are burning forever in eternity with a maggot that never dies in a lake of fire where a billion years will go by and the torment will just begin. That thought should provoke us to start reaching people. That thought should provoke us to start making disciples. That thought should make you, it should keep you up at night to say, man, I have to begin to share my faith with somebody. People need this. This is good news. Think about anything cool that happens in your life. You tell everybody. 
If you get a new job, if you get a new career, if you get a new uh, dog, come on, if you get a new car, if you get a new house, you share that news. Why? Because it's good news. You got a new house, you got a new car, awesome. It's good news. But why is it that Jesus, who died for us, who's changed us, who empowers us, who does miracles in our lives, who lives on the inside of us, and nobody knows about it? Guys, this is a disaster in America and in the church. We don't tell anybody. I mean, think about this. Let's talk about this tonight. Why are we not sharing our faith? Why are we not opening up our mouth and doing what Jesus commanded us to do? I'm going to show you this. It wasn't a suggestion. Think about that. In the last year, you don't have to be all condemned. Okay, stay on this video. I'm going to help you. In the last year, have I shared my faith with anybody? No. For most of us, it's no. But we say, man, I have this good news. Maybe you don't truly believe the news is good. Or maybe you don't value salvation. I'm going to show you this again. Maybe you don't value salvation. Now, the devil wants nothing more than for you to be silent about God. The devil doesn't want you to tell anyone about God. And when we don't tell people about God, we are buying into his agenda. We are following his strategy and his plan for humanity. And I've made a decision. I'm not giving the devil another minute. I'm not giving him. If, if he doesn't want me to do something, I'm going to spend my life doing that. If he gets mad when I cast out devils, I'm going to cast out devils. If he gets mad when I pray for the sick, I'm going to pray for the sick. If the devil gets mad, do what makes the devil mad. If he gets mad when I share the gospel, then I'm going to share the gospel. I know the devil's mad tonight and I love it. I'm going to keep tormenting him. They came, they came to Jesus and said, have you come to torture us and torment us before the time? Jesus' ministry tormented the devil. And for some of us, the devil loves our ministry. Like I look at some pastors and I'm like, the devil is not tormented by your ministry. The devil loves your ministry. If your ministry is about de de slandering other Christians, the devil loves your ministry. Yeah, I'm talking to some of you YouTubers that watch all my content because you make videos about me, so you got to get on here and get free content. If you are divisive, if all your videos are divisive, calling people out, slandering people, this person's false. Every day there's a new false person in your eyes and your whole community is about what you're against, not what you're for. The devil loves your ministry. If you have a ministry that speaks against laying hands on the sick, preaching the gospel, casting out demons, and living the Christian life, the devil loves your ministry. If your ministry is about getting people to not live holy and not share their faith and not live righteous, and you have a ministry that causes people to compromise, the devil loves your ministry. Friend, I'm telling you, we have a powerless gospel right now, and I'm doing everything I can to say, Lord, let us bring the true gospel back where we go out and do the work. And I would rather be around people that theologically don't have everything perfectly in order, but are out doing the work than a bunch of guys that know all the theology, but don't do anything. I mean, I look at some guys, they have all this theology, but they literally don't do anything in a real sense. They don't preach. They don't make disciples. They don't heal the sick. They don't cast out devils. There's literally no fruit. Now you say, well, brother, fruit is just joy and peace and happiness. No, the Bible says our works are fruit. The Bible says fruit is action. If we don't have action, we don't have fruit. So it's about doing this stuff, guys. It's about doing the work. It's about action. God is looking for people that are going to have action behind their thing. Come on, share this broadcast. So I want you to know the devil doesn't want this. The spirit of fear it is what causes you to not share your faith. And it is a real demonic spirit. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. God has not given you a spirit of fear. 
but of power, love, and a sound mind. One translation says it like this. God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If that's you tonight, if you're timid, if you're afraid to share your faith, that spirit that's making you afraid did not come from God. And tonight, we break it in Jesus' name. We come against the spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. Fear, you have no power. Anxiety, you have no power. Anger, you have no power. We come against the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Fear has no power. I know we're losing some people on YouTube. YouTube just dropped a bunch of people. Just rejoin if you get kicked out of the broadcast. The devil is a liar. So I want you to know this. He doesn't want you to share his faith. Timothy, this young leader, feels the pressure of the religious people around him. And God says, Timothy, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the world. Don't be afraid of religious people. Don't be afraid of what people talk about you. Share the gospel. Share your faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. I hope you're taking notes tonight. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work. Look what it says here. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. One translation says, do the work of an evangelist. So telling the good news to other people, according to this verse, is work. It's not going to be easy all the time. And before I give you 10 tips, I want to tell you, it's not going to be easy. We want things easy. Easy, type this in the chat, is not God's way. The broad road, the Bible says, is the easy road. Easy is the way that leads to death, but the, death, but the Bible says, difficult is the way that leads to life. So get out of your head that this is supposed to be comfortable, that this is supposed to be easy. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, not the comfortable. Are you guys there? He comforts you when you're uncomfortable, but why would you need his comfort if you're never uncomfortable? Remember, he's the helper, not the doer. So when we are uncomfortable sharing our faith, when we are uncomfortable casting out demons, when we are uncomfortable laying hands on the sick, that gives the Holy Spirit room to comfort us to say, I'm with you. I've never left you. I've never, I will speak out of you. I will empower you. I will work through you. I will do the heavy lifting. Come on, is anybody listening tonight in the chat? The Holy Spirit is going to give you power to share the gospel. And if you're not sharing, you are in error. I know, don't make me feel condemned, brother. You should feel condemned if you're not sharing your faith. You should feel guilty. You should feel like, man, I'm, I'm not doing what I'm called to do. This is about doing the work Jesus called us to do. So one side says, well, don't make people feel bad. Where's that in the Bible? Jesus didn't say, well, I really want you to share your faith, but you know, I'm not going to tell you to because I don't want to make you feel bad because I know you're lazy. He didn't say that. Jesus said, this is what I'm calling you to do. Go do this. So we can't water it down and go, well, I know people really don't want to hear it. And I know even some of you listening are like, this is just so condemning, brother. It's not if you're doing it. It's only condemning if you don't do the work. So we can't change the scripture to cater to itching ears. We need to look at the text, look at the scripture and say, this is what the Bible says to do. We are all called to work at sharing the good news. It's not easy. It's not going to come just by accident. Some of you think that you're just going to sit around living your life. And then one day you're just going to open your mouth and start preaching to everybody. And you're waiting. We're in this constant waiting cycle, waiting for God to move waiting for a miracle, waiting to start doing deliverance, waiting till we get the gift of tongues, waiting till God makes us prophesy. That's not what the Bible says to do. It says pursue these things. So if you think you're just going to keep waiting and one day you're going to be this powerful evangelist, that's not what scripture teaches. We need to be bold. We need to open up our mouth and we need to preach the gospel. So when it comes to sharing our faith, this is not a spiritual gift, okay? 
This is not an office like, well, I'm not called to be an evangelist. The Bible says we all are called to do the work of an evangelist. So who is called to do this tonight? Who are we talking to? Are we talking to just 30 special people, 100 special people, some of you in the chat watching? And I'm reading the chat, by the way, as I preach. If you wonder what I'm reading, every single one of you that are listening to my voice, I have to be the one to tell you since your pastor won't, is called. Every single one of you are called to do the work of evangelists. Every single one of you are called to share your faith. So don't sit here and say, this is not for me, brother. Every single one of you are called. Acts chapter one, verse eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And here's what you're gonna be. You guys ready for this? You're gonna be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So when you get the Holy Ghost, you receive supernatural power to become a witness to God, to share your faith, to tell people. Now, what is a witness? If you're in court, a witness tells what they've seen and what they've heard. Okay, we're gonna call the witness. What did you see in the crime? What did you hear the person say? And they get up there and they give a, a testimony. This is what I saw the crime. This is what I heard. This is what someone told me. This is what, and you become a witness. So God says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are going to testify to what you've seen me do. You're gonna to testify to what you've heard me do. You're gonna to testify to what is written in scripture and you are gonna become a witness, not a Jehovah witness, <laughs> but a witness of Jehovah God, a witness to God, a witness about him. I've seen him do miracles. I came to witness tonight. I've seen the sick healed. I've seen demons cast out. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen families come back together. I've seen 40 year heroin addictions broken by the power of the Holy Ghost. I've seen this stuff. Now, if we don't witness, maybe it's because we don't have nothing to witness about. And if you're struggling, look to scripture. There's plenty in, of things in there to share with people. And I'm gonna give you a bunch of verses I want you to memorize later, but there's something. Come on, somebody in the chat, come alive tonight. There's something. If you're in your living room, stand up and shout. There's something to be excited about. Guys, we have the good news of Jesus Christ. The only one in history that confirmed, raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of God, gives you his spirit. And you know, Jesus could have said, I'm going to give you a weak spirit or like another spirit or like, you know, just a lower version. He goes, I'm going to give you the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, has quickened your mortal body is alive on the inside of you. Get excited tonight. Get fired up tonight. There's a reason to shout. Don't be baffled. Why is this guy shouting? Why are you? Why aren't you? Why is this guy so excited? Because I was dead. I was separated from God, spiritually separated and literally dead in the spiritual sense. It's like really dead. And God raised me up and made my spirit come alive and reconnected me to him. What do you mean? What am I excited about? Why are you shocked that I'm screaming? What are the veins? Who cares? Be excited. Let your veins pop out of your neck. Don't act like you don't have veins in your neck. They're there. You just are too busy shouting at the UFC, the football game, and shouting about some new stupid sitcom that you're obsessed with that you don't ever shout for God. I dare somebody that's sitting there going, it's just not my personality, brother, to shout for the for once in their life. Get it? I'm... <laughs> Imagine being excited about God. Imagine being so excited about God, you tell somebody. I mean, whoa, this is revolutionary. This is revelation. You, God is so good, you tell somebody. I mean, imagine that. It's so simple, but it's so profound. It's the least you can do, but it's the most you can do. God says, after all that I've done, you don't wanna tell anybody about me? 
Like, am I really not good? In fact, this was so bad in the Old Testament. He said, what did you find wrong with me that you, that you left me? Like, am I, am I bad? Did I, did God, God goes, did I do something wrong that you don't share your faith? You don't tell anybody? Am I, am I really not that good? So is God the issue? Is God the problem or are you the problem? You're the problem. We're the problem. Jesus said, crucify yourself. He didn't say crucify the devil. He said, crucify you. We're standing in the way. So tonight, I don't share my faith. I don't evangelize. I don't witness. And I'm going to look in the mirror tonight and say, whose fault is that? Is it my wife's fault? Is it my kid's fault? Is my aunt's fault? My uncle's fault? I got to look right in the mirror tonight and say, it's my fault. I'm the reason I don't witness. I'm the reason I don't evangelize. I'm going to show you ways you can do this. So don't get all stressed out. Stay on here. Do not click off. I'm the reason why I'm not on fire for God. Lord, forgive me tonight. I want to be an evangelist. That should be our starting prayer. I want to share you. I want to share my faith. I want to tell somebody about what you've done because this is my command as a Christian. Matthew 5, 14, you, oh, this is going to, okay. Now, if you're religious, just go like this. Okay. If you're religious, just really quick. Don't, don't, don't click off. Stay here. Just do this. Cover your ears because you're not going to like this. You are the light of the world. Look at what it says here. I'm not blaspheming. Look what it says. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your, this is the words of Jesus, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So you are the light of the world. Okay. You are, you're the light of the world. You have good works and you're supposed to let your light shine so people can see you and glorify God when they see your works. Get out of this whole, it's not about works, brother. It is because God says they're going to see your light, your works. And in result, they go, wow, that's amazing that you share your faith. That's amazing that you have joy. That's amazing that you drive out demons. That's amazing that you heal the sick and they glorify our father. They glorify God saying, God, thank you for what this person's doing because your works show that God is real. Yet we have all of these preachers with hundreds of thousands of subscribers that say you don't need works. What are you talking about? Am I the only preacher that says works matter? Where's, where, what Bible verse says works don't matter? Now works don't get us saved. Duh, we all know that. We've quoted that a thousand. They don't get you saved. It's by grace. We all know the verse. So don't even waste your time spamming in the chat. Works prove that we're saved. And the Bible says the Christian is judged on his works. And there's going to be a lot of you that are like, it's not about works, brother, that stand before God on judgment and get no reward and barely escape the flames. That's, that's what Paul said, not me. And I know people manifest when I say that, but it's the reality. We have a lazy church that's not doing anything. And then they're saying, well, it's not about works. Works is not the issue. Laziness is. We need works. Okay. So if you're saying we don't, then you're fake. That's all I can tell you about that. Now, why do we post videos? So people can see our works and glorify God. So people can see the miracles, the deliverances, the testimonies, and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Your life, this is good. I'm not going to rush tonight. Your life is supposed to make people glorify God when they see your works. It doesn't say God's works. It says your good works. God living in you works through you. People see your works and they glorify God. So the question tonight among a bunch of other questions we're going to ask, does my life cause other people to worship God? Woo! That is strong. Does my life, I feel that tonight, 
cause other people to praise God? Does my life cause people to want to be like Christ? Does my life cause people to say, man, that's exciting. I, I want to be a part of that. I mean, this guy, there's a passion about this person. They're, they believe this stuff. Like they really live different. I've never met anybody that lives the way this person lives. They don't talk like everybody else at work. They don't act like everybody else at work. They don't smoke like everybody else at work. They don't drink like everybody else at work. They respond differently. I like that. I want to be like that. Everybody else I've ever met that's Christian is a hypocrite. But man, that's that sounds awesome. Or do people get bitter when they know you and get to... God says, I want them to see you. And because they see you, they glorify me. Now there will be people that mock you, that make fun of you, that think you're weird. That's not what I'm talking about. That is going to happen. I'll, and I'll, again, I'll share that later. But people should look at our lives and go, man, they bring glory. They live a clean, pure life. They have joy. Their marriage, look at their marriage. They got a good marriage. They trust each other. They don't even have locks on their phones. Their, their wife's on their social media page. Look at their kids, the way they behave, the way they act. Come on, is it getting hot in here? The way they live is like, man, they got their stuff together. What do they have that I don't have? The Holy Ghost, the, the spirit of almighty God that gives us peace, joy, happiness, love. This is what they have. Acts 8, 4 says they were preaching everywhere. This is not some event we're talking about. Let me paint the picture properly. This is a lifestyle of evangelism and sharing your faith. Whoever your sphere of influence, whoever you're around, that's who you're called to share your faith with your neighbor. Mark 16, 15. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses. Stay with it. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. This was not him suggesting this was a command. So here's your command. Are you ready? You're a Christian. Okay, cool. Here's your command. Go into all the word, world and preach the gospel to all creation. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God himself was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Ambassador, you are God's representative on the earth. You're not some Sunday morning wheat grasshopper that warms a chair and wastes oxygen on, at, in service. You are Christ's ambassador. God says, okay. I'm in heaven. The, the, uh, theologically, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for us right now. The Father's on the throne. The Holy Spirit's in us. God's in heaven, okay? So God says, how am I going to get people to follow me and reconcile them back to me? They've been separated from me. They've sinned. They've fallen short. How am I going to get them to come back to me? How, how am I going to get them to know the message of Jesus? Jesus is in heaven. The Father's in heaven. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is on the earth in us. God says... I'm going to fill them with my Holy Spirit. They're going to be my representative on the earth. You are God's ambassador. You're speaking for him, the Bible says. And God says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, God says, I'm going to make my appeal through you. It says as though God was making his appeal through us. And then he says, be reconciled back to God. So you are literally calling the world back to God. That's what you're doing. 2 Corinthians 5.18, look at this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people back to him. What is my job description? What is my task, so to speak? Here's the text, 2 Corinthians 5.18. God is reconciling people back to himself. And you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. He's given you this task. Reconcile people back to him. God says, you're a Christian. Okay, here's your job. Are you ready? This is now your purpose in life. What we are talking about tonight. I wish there was 10,000 people live, okay? But there's not. Here's your task. 
Here's your job. This is literally what your life is about now. Forget about all the stuff. You're not working for money anymore. You're not going to school. None of that matters. All that secondary, it's all worthless now, okay? Just get this in your head. Your life's goal now is getting people back connected to me. Yeah, reconciling. That's your task. That's the Great Commission. Reconciling people back to God. Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So don't be ashamed. And some of you guys, you had no shame when you were in the world. I mean, you were shaking, dancing, doing this, doing that with this person, with that person. And now you're saved and you're ashamed of God. You were never ashamed for the devil because you did a ton of shameful things and you were never ashamed for the devil. But now you're ashamed of God. What do you, what, what are you ashamed of? People might think I'm weird, brother Isaiah. That's, that's really what you care about? 150,000 people dying every day, most of them going to hell, says the Bible. And you're afraid of looking weird? You are weird. Just get over it. It doesn't matter. We're peculiar. The Bible says we are weird. We have the Spirit of God in us, and God reconciles people back to Him through us. We're supposed to be weird. That's not what we should be caring about. Here's what's weird. Here's what's weird. People go to hell all around us, and we never give them the antidote. That's so weird. It's so weird how our friends and family die and go to hell and we never share with them. We have the, the literally the cure to cancer in our pocket and we live in a cancer ward and never share anybody the cure that we have. That's what's weird. Not that you're scared. Oh, I'm scared to share my faith. Stop being scared. Stop. God didn't give you that. Bind that spirit. Cast that spirit out. Repent. God has not given you that spirit. Let's look at Jesus' one of his last commands to his disciples before he leaves. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, are you guys ready? Therefore means it's there for a reason. It's there for something. Are you ready what it's there for? Here we go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. Notice the word here. The commission is two words, co and mission put together. So this is not a solo mission. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're not like, I don't have the tools. I can't do it. Yes, you can. This is a mission where you have a coworker, a partner, and that partner is the spirit of God. That's a good partner to have. You know, it's like when I worked at Starbucks, I would look at my schedule like, oh, I have that coworker. That person's lazy. That person's terrible. I'm making coffee and I have to work with them and I'm going to get complaints all day. And you're just like, you're bitter when you walk into work because you know your coworkers are terrible. Have you guys been there? Type one. When I look at my schedule for the day, guess who's on, my, guess who's on shift with me? The Holy Spirit. Guess who's working with me? The Holy Spirit. Guess who's on the schedule? Me and the Holy Ghost. And we are on a great commission together here's the great commission make disciples go that's the commission is go so where do i go isaiah wherever people are now we didn't say stay he said go the church has taken go and replaced it with stay and we wait for people to come to church that's not what the bible says we are called to go go to your school and share go to your work and share go on social media and share go on tiktok and share go to the mall and share go to the street corner and share Go on Facebook and share. Go to your text contacts and share. Doesn't matter. Wherever there's people. In the disciples' day, it was the markets. We don't have markets anymore. But they would go to the marketplace and share. Now everybody's locked in their house online. So that's where we go. Right now there's 2,500 of you. I'm going to you. I'm literally in your living room. Hi. Hi to your cat and dog. I'm in your living room right now sharing the gospel with you. 
Why? Because I'm going. I'm going through technology, through the airwaves, literally, and I'm sharing the gospel. This is what we're called to do. Just go. Go somewhere. Not only do you go and share, that's the first principle, is you make disciples. So we don't only win souls, we make disciples. So the goal isn't just sharing your faith, it's discipling those you share your faith with. Type good in the chat. The Great Commission is only fulfilled when we share our faith. I'm sorry, let me say that again. The Great Commission is only fulfilled when we make disciples. The goal of most churches is getting people saved and baptized, but not making disciples. Let me say something very important. Open as as big as you can your ears here. Disciples are not born, they are made. And it's extremely time-consuming to turn someone into a disciple. But who said that this wouldn't be time-consuming? Who lied to you and said, oh, this is going to be easy and not take a lot of time? You have to start seeing this as the new goal of your life. Are you guys ready? This is the new goal of your life. Make disciples. The two phases of the Great Commission, evangelism and discipleship. And it takes time. Sharing your faith takes minimal time compared to discipling somebody. Now, the basic definition of discipleship is teaching someone to be a good follower of Jesus. Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded of you. So everything I told you, teach them that. Living holy, healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the gospel, feeding people, turning the other cheek, blessing those that cursed you, serving people, all of it. Tell people about that. Teach them to do that. We need to stop debating the Great Commission and start obeying the Great Commission. After all, this is God's word, not God's opinion. This is the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. So God's not like, well, you know, if you feel like doing this, you should do it. God's saying, no, 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 I'm actually commanding you to go do this. Go and make disciples. So we are called to be disciple makers. They're not born. You're not born again a disciple. You got to be taught. We have to teach people to be disciples. Now we know everybody should be doing this so let me give you in the next portion of our stream practical tips to actually making disciples and preaching the gospel and sharing your faith this is going to be valuable it's going to be practical i I had a lot of other points that were theological and then i thought you know what it's not going to be as good going deep theologically to try to teach you we need to be practical like in a real sense how do i share my faith so we're going to go through 10 tips yeah 10 write them down I know Ryan will probably type them in the chat or the comments after the broadcast, but I want you guys to type these out as we go. Interact. Don't just sit there with drool coming down your mouth. I want you to interact tonight. 10 tips to sharing your faith and evangelizing. Number one, this is the first step, is understanding the need for salvation. If you don't understand the need for salvation, you will not have the desire to share with anyone. And some of you, you don't share with anybody. You don't want to share with anybody because you don't know the need for salvation. If I were to ask you the world's biggest problem, many of you would say corruption, lust, greed, poverty, war, racism, abortion, new age. I mean, the list goes on. Well, those those are all problems, but the greatest sin, write this down, the greatest um, excuse me, issue the world is facing is the issue of sin. And this, this sin is the root of everything evil. Every evil thing is the result of sin. And in the most basic sense, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they became two things, spiritually dead and separated from God. So sin separates man from God for eternity unless the sin is dealt with. Every single person who's not a Christian, who's, who is what, who you're going to be sharing with, They have been separated from God and they are spiritually dead. They have this issue. So there's not one person that you're going to minister to that doesn't have the issue of separation from God and spiritual death. 
spiritually they're dead and they are eternally separated from God. That's, that's the issue that you're dealing with when you share your faith. And that issue needs a solution. Salvation solves that problem. The feeling of laying in your bed at night, looking at the ceiling, and we've all had this, saying, I know there's more to life than the life I'm living. When you're lost in the world and that's how you feel, that's the issue of sin. It's you being separated from your creator. It's like a kid at Costco wandering, looking for their parents, crying, saying, where's my mom and dad? That's humanity. We sit in bed going, where's my father? Where, where, where is, where's my creator? And we wander lost, literally. Now they don't all know that they're lost because they don't need, they don't know their need for salvation. So you need to understand the need for salvation. Think about this. God creates Adam and Eve as perfect beings. The perfect nature is corrupted and replaced by what's known commonly as sinful nature. And the sinful nature produces a natural tendency to sin. And that tendency to sin gets passed down to all of Adam's descendants. You are a descendant of Adam. So you've taken on that tendency to sin. Think of baking cakes and you have a pan that you're baking cakes with and it has a dent in it. Okay, the pan is dented and every single cake you make will have a dent in it because this is the form of the pan making the cakes. This is the form that we're all born into. We were all born in dented. We were all born broken. We were all born because of what Adam did in the garden. We came broken and hurting. Christ comes, says, I'm going to provide a solution for man's sin nature. And the solution is only found in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. 1 Corinthians 15.3, Christ died for our sins. 1 John 1.9 tells us that Jesus can forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of us all unrighteousness. Galatians 1.4 says, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world. Ephesians 1.7 says, in whom Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Hebrews 1.3 says, Jesus purged our sins. First Peter 3:18 says Christ also has suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Friend, I came to tell you that history shows that Jesus is the only person who ever died for the sins, whoever died for the sins of the world, rose again and proved everything he said was true. Jesus dealt with the issue of sin by his death and resurrection on the cross. We all, oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm excited tonight. We are no longer separated from God. We are no longer spiritually dead. We've been given the spirit of adoption. We've been given the spirit of Christ. We've been raised into new life. We've been raised from that spiritual death, reconnected to God. So that issue of separation has been dealt with on the cross. So you need to know the message of Jesus. A real man came, a real man died, and a real man rose again and gave us his spirit so that now we can be born again. That's, that's the good news. The good news is you don't have to live hopeless. The good news is you don't have to live separate from your creator. You don't have to lay in bed and go, what? there has to be more to life than this. But now there's destiny. There's purpose. There's wholeness, there's healing, there's spiritual breakthrough, there's deliverance, all these things. Salvation is the most valuable gift anyone can ever receive. And you can give people that through the good news. Many of you have been here, say for years, 
and you don't even know the value of your salvation. You, you literally operate like a homeless person with $10 million in the bank. You're like, I'm starving, I have nowhere to live, and there's $10 million in the bank. You, you starve every day with $10,000 in your pocket. We don't realize what we have. A million dollars a month, and you live in a spiritual cardboard box. And God says, value your salvation. Like, are you even grateful for Christ's work on the cross and reconnecting you? He, Hebrews 2 describes salvation as a great salvation. And it says, how can we neglect this such a great salvation and expect to escape damnation? We've been given this value. I want you to value this tonight. I want you to go, man, my salvation. Thank you, Lord. It's valuable. Now, some of the benefits are salvation of salvation are forgiveness of sins, new life, peace with God, peace of mind, joy, hope for your future, God's presence in you, eternal life, God's supernatural power. I mean, think about just number one I just gave you, forgiveness of all sins. What? God says, I'll forgive you of every past sin. You've done every terrible thing. In the eyes of God, you are a murderer. You are a thief. You are a blasphemer. You're a luster, a liar, an adulterer. You've done all of it. You've literally broken every law. And God says, you deserve hell for eternity, punishment, separation from me. But through the blood of Jesus, God says, I forgive all your sins. And you're going to sit here tonight and say, oh, I don't really know if I, if I should share my faith. I'm kind of scared. What do you mean? What do you mean? Why are you excited, Isaiah? Peace of mind? Peace with God? You know, the Bible says you are at war with God, but through the shedding of blood, you're now at peace with God. <sighs> my mind is blown. I'm at peace with God. I spent years at war with God, disobeying him. And because of what Jesus did, not even, I didn't even do it. Jesus did it. I'm now at peace with God. Do we even realize that peace with God? Like you were at war with him and now you're at peace with him. Joy, hope for your future, something you never had. Eternal life. Have we, have we even discussed that yet? Spending forever with God. Are you, are you getting the value here? God's supernatural power. My body could be healed. The demons will come out of me. What do you, what? This is amazing. Why has nobody told me this? This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you this because number one tip of sharing your faith is understanding the need for salvation and valuing it. Valuing it. How can somebody give up this? I don't even know. How could you backslide? What do you even mean? People say, Isaiah, would you ever go back? What would I go back to? My vomit? anxiety, depression, emptiness, hopelessness, fear? Like, is that even a question? For those of you that just got saved again from backsliding, what are you, what were you thinking? What were you, what do you, what is so good that you are willing to lose all of these benefits and, and relationship with your creator to go to a club, to go have some girl grind on you, to go have a one night stand, to put a needle in your arm and get a little fix and snort some white powder so you feel good for five hours? What are you, what is wrong with you? You're, you're willing to trade relationship with creator Yahweh God for some white powder that you sniffed off of a bathroom toilet. What are you, what is wrong with us? Of all that God has done and you're like, I just don't know if I can do this much longer. Okay, so where are you going? What are you gonna do? What are you going to do? Go back and serve the devil? You know how much the devil is going to destroy your life after you turned on him? Now you're going to go back to him. He's going to wreak all havoc on your life. There's nothing to go back to. Burn the boat, burn the bridge, and serve God forever. I have nothing to go back to. The devil is a liar. I'm never going back. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, really, we got to get to this place, guys, where we're like, 
What, what is wrong with me? I just feel like I'm giving up. Polycarp was a Christian martyr. Listen to this. When he faced giving up his faith, they basically told him, if you give up your faith, we will not martyr you. And these are, these are his exact words from Polycarp the martyr. 80 and, six, 80 and six years have I served him and have never, and he's never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has saved me? And they killed him right after he said that. He did not prefer his life. He said, I will not give up my salvation. I would rather give up my life than my salvation. Look at the value of his salvation. Even in the face of death, Polycarp says, how could I blaspheme my king, my Lord, my savior? We got to get to that place where we're willing to die for this thing. We're willing to really die for the gospel. I'm going to give you guys to help you share your faith, 20 verses I want you to memorize. This is your homework. School is in session. I have my glasses on. School is in session. Professor Isaiah has a word for you. 20 Bible verses. I need you guys to write these fast because I don't have time to go into all these. I'm going to give you 20 verses that I want you to memorize that are going to help you share your faith. Are you ready? 20. Write these down. Number one, John 3.16. You need to know that by memory. These are all, You need to know all these by memory. I'm going to memorize all these as well. Number two. Revelation 3.20. Number three, write fast. Romans 3.23. Number four, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Number five, Romans 6.23. Number seven, number six, Romans 10.19. I'm sorry, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Okay, number seven, 1 John 5.12. Number eight, Isaiah 53, chapter 53, verse 6. Number, was that number eight? Okay, I don't know. Number nine, 1 Peter 2.24. Number 10, 1 John 1.9. You can rewatch this later if you're not fast enough. It's okay. Number 11, Acts 16.31. Number 12, John 3.3. 3. Number 13, John 1.12. Number 14, Proverbs 14.12. Number 15, Romans 5.8. Number 16, Luke 19 and 10. Chapter 19, verse 10. Number 17, John 10.10. 10. I know I'm going too fast. Rewatch it. Number 18, Isaiah 59, verse 2. Number 19, John 14, 6. And number 20, Hebrews 9, 27. You can memorize those. Okay, I want you to memorize all 20 of those verses. These are going to help you witness and share your faith. Well, rewatch it. It's okay. This will be on YouTube forever, hopefully. So you can rewatch it after. Don't stress. If you didn't write them down, it's all good. Okay, that's tip number one. And the rest are going to go quicker. Number two, tip number two. Share your testimony. One of the simplest and most effective methods of witnessing is by sharing your personal testimony of your salvation. A simple definition of witnessing is that you tell others what you know about God, what Jesus has done, what he's done in your life, and what he can do for them. Number two is share your testimony. Here's why I love sharing my testimony when I witness. This is my number one strategy I use is because nobody can dispute your testimony. Nobody can tell you that you weren't blind. Nobody can tell you that you weren't lost. Nobody can say, well, you weren't addicted to alcohol, Isaiah, or you weren't addicted to pornography, or you weren't addicted to this. Nobody can dispute your testimony. How are you going to tell me what I was? You, and you see this in scripture over and over again, the man who's lame, the man who's blind, the man who's demonized, the people say, wasn't that the lame man? How is he walking? Wasn't that the blind man? How is he seeing? Wasn't that the deaf man? How is he hearing? Nobody can dispute your testimony. How are they going to tell you that God hasn't done it? So start by sharing your testimony. When I got saved, my family didn't recognize me. My friend said, who are you? Literally, I sat with one of my best friends that I was best friends with since I was eight years old. 
I get saved 11 years after he meets me. I'm 19 now. And he said, and he sat down with me at breakfast and said, I don't know you. Who are you? Like, you're not the same person. And I can confidently quote Colossians 3, 3, for you died to this life and your life is hidden in Christ with, in Christ, in God. Your life is new. You died. You're a new creature. Share that testimony. And when you do share your testimony, I'm going to give you practical tips to write down. I'm, I'm literally going to give you step-by-step how to do this. Try to be progressive, okay? When you start by sh- sharing, share where you came from, where you are now. This is important. Stay away from religious jargon. Do not go into all this religion stuff. Do not start sharing things that they don't even know. Even using the word lost, they don't even know what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean you were lost? What were you lost from? When you use the word, you're not saved, like, what do I need to be saved from? This is why you need to know, do not use religious jargon. Some of you go witness, you're like, I don't know why no one listens to me witness. And when you go witness, you're like telling them the Lord pulled me out of the miry clay and put my feet on solid rock. And the person's like, what is miry clay? What is solid rock? Don't use that religious talk. Don't be religious about it. Use the Bible, use your testimony, but use terms they can understand. The point of sharing your testimony is to get you to connect with the person that's not saved. So don't be telling them about the miry clay. Don't be telling about the healing balm of Gilead. Okay. Don't be telling them about how the hounds of heaven have been chasing them. Don't be trying to, don't be trying to use all this stuff. They don't know what you mean. They're new. They're lost. Talk to them like you know that they understand. You don't use all this, you know, Hey, you're going to hell. Did you know that? It's like, how's that going to help them? Share your testimony. Your experience is my favorite tool right here. So let me give you very basic. We're still on, we're still on tip number two, but I'm going to make it so easy. I'm, I'm, you're going to have no excuse after tonight. Three steps to share your testimony. Very simple. Write this down. Step one, your life before you were saved. This is how you share your testimony. Step one, share about your life before you were saved. Tell them about how you acted. And some of y'all acted crazy like I did. Tell them about your attitude, how you felt when you were addicted, maybe you had issues, addictions, how lost you felt, how broken you were, relate to the person. I always like to say, man, I was depressed. I was anxious. I was addicted. I start telling them how messed up I was. That's the start of my testimony. And then maybe even ask the Holy Spirit for a word of knowledge to reach that person. Okay. So number one step is life before you were saved. Very simple. Remember this step two. So now you've told them how jacked up you were. It's very simple. Now you're in step two how you were saved. What were you going through when you got saved? How did you come to hear the good news? Where were you? What did it feel like? What was your experience? Don't leave out any details. Tell them, man, I came to a church, man, I was at an altar. Maybe you were in your basement. Maybe you were on your porch when God touched you, encountered you. Maybe you heard the voice of God. Maybe he knocked you off your rocker. Maybe he gave you a vision. Maybe you just heard a powerful sermon and the spirit of God filled you. What was your encounter like? Tell your experience. How did you get saved? Tell them how you got saved. Don't just say, well, God saved me. Well, how? I always love to tell people, well, I heard this. I experienced this. I woke up the next day. I had no desire to do this. I had no desire to do that. I didn't sleep for three. I go into my testimony detail of how I got saved. That's number two. And then number three, last step is the change that happened since you've been saved. Okay. So changes in your life since you've been saved. So now you told them what you were, how you got saved, very simple, keep it simple. And now you tell them, this is how my life has been. Now 
I no longer am addicted. Now, I no longer do what I used to do. My attitude is different. My outlook on life is different. I'm no longer bitter. I'm no longer angry. I'm no longer racist. I no longer look at women like they're just pieces of meat walking around. I am no longer the person that I was. I don't drink anymore. I don't cuss anymore. How did that happen? It wasn't religion. The spirit of God made me become a new creature and I no longer have the desires I used to have. I'm out of that bondage. I was delivered. I was healed. Share about your life. They want to know that your life is different. They don't just want it. Oh, you just go to church Sunday. That's not life change. Anybody can go to church Sunday. The difference is my actual life changed. That's what they want to know. So step one, life before. Step two, how I got saved. I'm helping somebody tonight. Type one if I'm helping you. Step three, what my life is like now. That's sharing your faith using your testimony. Tip number three. Okay, this is a good one here. Ask questions and let them talk. Okay, when you're witnessing to somebody, do not dominate the conversation. Let them talk. Ask them questions like, do you believe in the afterlife? What do you think happens when you die? How do you feel about God? Do you feel fulfilled in your life? Speak to that void. Do you ever feel like something is missing? Remember, every person that you're witnessing to, sharing with, preaching to, they have a void. They have a hole in them that God has put there that only he can fill. So preach to the void. Talk to them about the emptiness in them and how God wants to fill that void. Here's a good question. Okay, go, go and ask this. When you're witnessing to your friends, family, coworkers, people in public, suppose you were to die today and stand before God and God says, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? That's a good question to ask. And that will create a dialogue of maybe they say, I never really thought about that. I never really thought about what God wants to do in my life now or where I'm going when I die or judgment day. Remember guys, these are all things no one's ever talked to them about. No one ever shared their faith with me. No one ever witnessed to me and said, this is the gospel, you're going to hell. No one told me I was going to hell and I needed to hear it. So some people need to hear about hell. There's a real place called hell and you're not gonna stand before God being a liar, a cheater and a thief thinking you're going to get in and Ray comfort has a lot of this content even on his channel of how to do this but that's a good one number three is ask questions number four this is important and this is one you're not going to hear anybody say you'll not find this on an article this is very important number four do not cheapen the gospel do not make the gospel sound cheap you need to make sure that they know there is a cost to following Jesus when you're witnessing to somebody, your goal is not to get them to repeat the sinner's prayer. That is not your goal. Your goal should be make a disciple. That's your goal. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. And this is Jesus speaking. If you don't hate your wife, kids, and your own life in comparison to me, you can't be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down, count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, he's going to lay the foundation, not be able to finish it, and people are going to mock him saying, this man began to build something but couldn't finish it. This is what Jesus is saying. The world mocks us because we become Christian and we don't pay the price. And we're not real Christians. We sit down and start being a Christian and we don't finish and we don't follow through. So salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. So you're wasting your time if you're like, oh, I led them to the Lord. Let me just give you my biggest pet peeve. And I know I'm going to make a lot of you mad. What else is new? Here's my biggest pet peeve. When I have evangelist friends, pastor friends, and we're at the conference and they say, oh man, I just led my Uber driver to the Lord. Okay. And I know some of them are watching. You, It's okay. It's okay. You, We could still be friends. Text me after and I'll pray with you. 
And I go, oh, you did? What happened? Oh, we were driving over here, and I told them about Jesus, and I, I told them, do they want to say the sinner's prayer? And in five minutes, from the start of my drive to the end, they repeated the sinner's prayer, and now they're saved. No, they're not. That's not Bible. The Bible does not say, go in somebody's Uber, tell them Jesus is Lord. Would you like to repeat a prayer? Have them repeat the prayer, get out of the taxi, or get out of the Uber, and now they're saved. That's not biblical. Our job is to make disciples, not get them to repeat a prayer. So if we're walking around trying to see how many people we can get to repeat the sinner's prayer, that is not salvation. Jesus did not do that. Paul did not do that. Peter did not do that. And I'm going to make some of you even more mad. There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. If you didn't know, the sinner's prayer is the greatest lie that's ever been created. There's no such thing as repeat a prayer and now you're saved. Live however you want. That is not the call. The call is to share the gospel and to make disciples. So if you're not willing to disciple them, then you should not be sharing with them. Let me say that again. If you're not willing to disciple those people, I'm not talking about at a church, on a stage, a crusade, outdoor preaching. I'm talking about if you are witnessing to somebody and you're not willing to turn them into a disciple, you should not be sharing your faith because all you're going to do is give them false pretenses and they're going to say a prayer and live the same. And then the next person that comes and really tries to witness, they're going to say, oh, I already, I'm already a Christian because I prayed a prayer when some lukewarm evangelist got me to repeat after him. All right, I had to give you that there. Mark 8, 34, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said, if anyone wants to come after me, so this is Jesus speaking, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, okay? That's the prerequisite, and take up his cross and follow him, me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul? Wait a minute, Jesus. I thought we just had to pray a prayer and invite you to build a treehouse in our, in our heart. But you're telling me that if anyone wants to come after me, I have to deny myself, take up a cross, hate my life, and lay my life down. That's the gospel we should be preaching. Do not undersell the gospel. Matthew 8, 22. If you need more, if you need more evidence, here you go. And Jesus said, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Okay, so lay it, lay it all down. Jesus always... And if you don't know how to spell always, it's A-L-W-A-Y-S, always commanded people to leave everything. And this hasn't changed just because we're in 2022 and we've commercialized the gospel. Jesus did not make people repeat a prayer. He told them to give up everything. And if people weren't willing, he would say, you're not ready to follow me. So our goal is not to beg people to live lukewarm. Our goal is to preach the real gospel. Don't cheapen the gospel. Preach repentance. What must we do? You must repent. Don't be cheap about it. It's not cheap. It's not a game. Number five, tip number five, this is good. We're almost done here, is be ready to disciple them. Write that down. Many of you that are witnessing to somebody, you might need to build a relationship. This is not about numbers. This is about quality, not quantity. So you might need to build a relationship with them before they'll even listen to you. There's no point in leading them if you won't disciple them. Get their number, okay? And again, if you're a married man and you meet a single girl and you're witnessing to her, do not get her number. Give her your wife's number. That's the smart way to do it. But you need to get the person's contact information. You need to build a relationship with them. You need to connect them to a local church and you need to be willing to meet up with them. Hey, do you want to meet for a Starbucks Bible study? Hey, give them a Bible. Give them Christian material. Show them some Christian YouTube channels. Hello, this is a good one that they can learn from. But don't just get them saved and then toss them over to the enemy and think they're going to be fine. You need to connect with them and you need to connect them. If you, it's a female, connect them with your wife. If it's a male, get his number, stay in touch with him. I, I give my number out to random people all the time. 
when I'm traveling now, I don't give it to people in church because some of y'all are crazy, but there's people when I'm traveling, I'm at airports, when I'm at camping, wherever, and we're sharing about our ministry, sharing about the gospel, what we do, how God's changed our life. And I'm sharing my testimony. I give them my number and I get their number. Yes. Isaiah Saldivar is not too cool to give out his number. I give my number out. Hey, if you need anything, if you need prayer, let me know wherever you're from. I can connect you with the church. We should be doing that. We should be working to disciple these people. Now, you don't have to give up, you know, and be with them every single day, but you need to be willing to disciple them. Tip number six, expect the power of God. We cannot, dis- we cannot witness and share our faith without the power of God. Power evangelism is extremely powerful and biblical. Healing the sick. When somebody gets healed in their body, you don't need to convince them. Ask them if they have pain in their body. Ask the Holy Spirit for a word of knowledge and then lay your hand on them and watch them get healed. I'm telling you, it's incredible when somebody gets healed, you no longer have to debate them. You no longer have to debate them. What was number five? Number five was be ready to disciple them. Number five was be ready. Number six is expect the power of God. Healing. Ask for a word of knowledge. Casting out demons. Now, some of you say, well, Brother Isaiah, you told me I shouldn't cast out demons from unbelievers. True. But if you're ministering to somebody and they genuinely want to serve God, turn to God and become a Christian, there's no problem doing deliverance on them. The people that I won't do deliverance on are people that don't want to serve God and are in rebellion and living in sin. But if you're ministering to somebody and they go, man, I want that. I want to serve God. Pray with me. Pray for me. I want to repent. That's a perfect chance to pray with them and to pray healing and to do deliverance. Right there on the spot, you can do deliverance on them. Again, the people I don't do deliverance on are people that want nothing to do with it that are in rebellion. But if they're genuine, cast those devils out of them, get them saved, get them healed, cast the devils out of them, and then invite them over to your house and baptize them in your bathtub. You can do all four in one, a little combo combo kit right there. No problem. Miracles were essential in the New Testament church growing. Acts chapter 4, verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So miracles grow the church. John 14, 12. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the, the works I do and even greater than these because I'm going to the Father. I know a lot of these preachers say, well, we're not allowed to do the same works. Maybe because you're not, don't say we can't. Jesus said it. His word is way more powerful than yours. Never listen to someone that says Jesus didn't mean what he meant. Jesus said it. He meant it. It's the same in English as it is in Greek. We are called to do the works of Jesus and even greater works. This is what your Bible says. This is what your Bible says. So don't let somebody interpret it. Don't let the devil use somebody to tell you you can't do the works of Jesus. Expect miracles. Romans 15, 19, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way round to Lyricum, I fully proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I'm using the power of God. I'm using miracles, signs and wonders to fully proclaim the gospel. So expect the power of God, Acts 19, 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So God was doing the work through Paul's hands and God can work through your hands. Okay, number seven, very practical. Are you guys ready? This is a good one. I'm glad I wrote this down. Number seven is dress appropriately. Can we get ones in the chat? I know that's so obvious. Well, duh, but it's not duh. When you're sharing your faith and you're wearing inappropriate clothing, you become a distraction to the person you're ministering to. We are trying to build, write this down, bridges, not barriers. So ladies, please, I'm asking you, When you're at the revival meetings, when you're sharing your faith, when you're at work, when you're at your job, wear appropriate clothing. You do not need to be wearing booty shorts and a low cut shirt to get attention. That's not the type of attention that you want. 
Some ladies say, well, all men are dogs. Well, look at the people you're attracting. If you dress like a piece of meat, the dogs are going to come out. That's the bottom line. So dress like a daughter of God. Dress like a man of God. Come on, man. You don't need to be all right out of the gym, no shirt on, oiled up, trying to witness to the lady outside the gym. You need to dress appropriately. If you're presenting the gospel, I want you to remember this. You are a representative of God. You're a representative of God. So make sure that you're representing Christ properly. Don't represent Christ. Your body's a temple of God. You don't need to be cutting those, wearing those real low-cut shirts, real hiked-up shorts. And this is for guys, too. Come on, guys. Nobody wants to see all that. Some of you guys, why is this a trend to wear shorts that are like all hiked up on you guys? Some of you guys need to wear appropriate clothing. You don't need to wear little tight shorts. If you're a guy, you should be wearing normal shorts that fit you. Same thing with your, come on, guys, help me. We need to be appropriate when witnessing. We're royalty. Well, you might say, well, it's hot outside. I have seen Marines at funerals in 110 degree weather wearing a full uniform. So if the Marines can wear that at a uniform, at a funeral as, you know, a sign of prestige, a sign of I'm a, I'm a warrior, I'm in the army, I'm wearing right clothing, then you can wear proper clothing to evangelize. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you have to wear this all the time, this, but don't be sharing your faith wearing inappropriate clothing. That's the bottom line. Don't bring reproach to God. I need to throw that in there. Okay, number eight. This is good stuff. Number eight is be open for divine appointments. I believe God constantly sets up divine appointments for us if we are available. Now, don't expect God to use you if your schedule's full. So leave room in your schedule for divine appointments. How many of you have been in a moment where you're witnessing to somebody and you you realize this is a divine appointment? You're here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. This was God that set this up. God will set up divine appointments. One example is in Acts 8.29. Says, and the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. And Acts 8:39 says, The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and they went on rejoicing. So this was a divine appointment. The spirit prepared the eunuch for hearing the gospel through Philip. And then when the, Philip was done, the spirit of God moved him to another place. So God will set up divine appointments. John 3 8. The Bible, Jesus relates the Holy Spirit to the wind. It says the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is mysterious. You don't know where he's always going. You don't know what he's always doing. He's always setting things up, okay? He's like the wind. You can't see him, but you know he's there. You could feel him. You could experience him. That's the Holy Spirit. So be ready this week for divine appointments. Pray tonight. Well, we'll pray at the end here soon in a few minutes. Lord, Set up a divine appointment. I'm available. I'm ready. Number nine. So number eight was divine appointments. Be open for divine appointments. And I want that in my life. I love divine appointments. I just had one a few days ago. I love it. Number nine. Don't get stuck on one method. These are all practical tips. These are not deep theologically. They're deep practically. Number nine is do not be stuck on one method. There's many ways to share your faith with people. So here, let me give you a couple ways. In person. Okay. Sharing person to person. That's how the gospel spreads through Instagram, through Snapchat, through Facebook Messenger, through TikTok. This is one of the only times in history you could literally make a TikTok, start preaching on it, and thousands of people will see your video. It's absolutely crazy. It's amazing. I know you hate TikTok. I hate TikTok. I do not go and scroll. I cannot stand TikTok, but I have all my videos on there because I want to reach people. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean I shouldn't reach people there. So you don't need to scroll on it. Just upload videos, share your testimony, share the gospel, open air preaching calling people on the phone. Did you know this? This is like, whoa, revelation. You can call people on the phone and share your go- share the gospel with them. You can do this. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, it's going to get real crazy here. Sending a text message. Yes, you can text people verses, encouragement, prayers. You can share the gospel through a text message. 
inviting someone to church, starting a house church is a great way to share the gospel, share in your home in a group setting, go out in groups and evangelize. These are all ways. So number nine is don't get stuck on one method. Number 10, last tip, number 10 of sharing your faith in a practical way is check up on them in one to two days. The Bible says the devil comes like a bird and he steals the seed, he steals the word to prevent them from being saved and prevent them from believing. So you need to be faster than him. So you need to check up on them. You need to meet up with them, baptize them, have Bible study, have Bibles on standby. Go to the Christian bookstore, buy 10, 15 Amazon Bibles, have them ready. So when you're sharing and witnessing at school, at work, because I know after this video, you're going to, because you feel convicted, you feel bold, you feel the Holy Spirit on you. You're going to give these Bibles out, share with people. Number 10 is check up on them in one to two days. A couple things to get to remember is not everyone's going to receive the gospel. Okay. Do not be discouraged when someone doesn't receive the word. God would often tell prophets, you're going to go preach. They're not going to receive it. But remember some plant, some water, it's God that makes the seed grow. And that could be a five-year seed, a 10-year seed. Your job is to plant the seed. If somebody comes and they don't under, they don't receive it or they get mad at you, keep on going. Imagine Noah, 100 years building the ark and no one entered. Do not be discouraged. Keep pushing. Obey the word of God. If they don't receive it, target them in prayer. The Bible says the devil blinds the mind of unbelievers. Pray that God would remove the blinders. Pray that God would remove the blinders off of them. Someone said, what is number eight? Number eight is be open for divine appointments. Okay, I'll go over all of them at the very, very end during the time of talking, donations, and prayer. Last thing I want to note, okay, I have more stuff, but I'm going to give you one more. I'll do another video on this, is remember not to argue with people. We're trying to win, write this down, final statement. We are trying to win souls, not debates, okay? We're not trying to win a debate. This is not a contest. Do not argue. If they start arguing with you, defend your faith and move on. Do not get in debate. Do not get worse off than before. Do not argue. God will have his way. God will work. Let the Holy Spirit work in their heart. Remember, the Holy Spirit's going to germinate that seed. The Holy Spirit's going to grow that seed. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to do the heavy lifting. So you don't need to be arguing at them. You don't need to be shouting at them. You don't need to be telling them, oh, you're wrong. I'm right. And you don't know what you're talking about. Let the Holy Spirit move. Let the Holy Spirit do his thing. And let us pray because I believe God is raising up mighty evangelists tonight. I believe many of you are going to become evangelists. Many of you are going to evangelize. Type one of this video helped you and let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for every evangelist in this broadcast. I thank you, Lord, that every one of us have been called, anointed to do the work of an evangelist. And I ask you, Lord, to give us the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to share our faith at school, at work, at our job, at the reunion, in public, at the grocery store, the hospital, at the airport, the hotel, wherever we are. I pray, Lord, that we would be disciple makers. Lord, that we would not make excuses but that we would make disciples. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us, that you would give us boldness, that you would give us tenacity, that you'd give us desire for your word. You'd give us desire to share our faith, the good news of Jesus. Lord, let us value our salvation. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, for anyone that is not full of your spirit, I pray, God, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Be bold in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you would give us discretion as we share our faith. I even pray that the Lord would fill your mouth as you share your faith. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. Father, we're asking for power evangelism. We're asking for signs and wonders and miracles. In Jesus' name, words of knowledge, deliverances, miracles, boldness. In Jesus' name, right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what only you can do. 
Lord, do what only you can do right now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, give us boldness. We repent of laziness. We repent, God, of our laziness, our apathy, our lack of doing. Father, we ask you tonight that you would cleanse us, you'd wash us, and you'd forgive us of that laziness. In Jesus' name, God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, Father, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do tonight in Jesus' name. Help us to be bold for your kingdom. Help us to be bold for your glory. Help us to be bold right now in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, touch every person watching. Break off laziness. Spirit of fear, come up and out now in Jesus' name. Spirit of fear, you have no power. You have no strength. The Lord rebukes you. We command you out now. God has not given you that spirit. It must go in Jesus' name. We pray boldness, boldness, boldness in Jesus' name. Spiritual boldness. God, give us the words and give us boldness right now. Fire of God, fire of God, we pray. Rain down on us like tongues of fire rest upon us. The tongues speak of communication. That was all about leaving the upper room and communicating the gospel to the world. God, let us have those tongues of fire to communicate the gospel, to open up our mouth, to use our tongue to communicate the word. How will they know unless we preach? Thank you, Lord, that you're raising us up to be bold warriors for your kingdom and your glory. That we're not going to be man pleasers. We're not going to be afraid of men, but we're going to be God chasers in Jesus' name. No more people pleasing. No more people pleasing. Boldness. Boldness. Fear you can't stay. No fear here in Jesus' name. We are going to cross that chicken line. We're not going to be scared any longer. And we're going to be bold for your honor, your glory, and your and your uh, kingdom, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Touch every person in the chat right now. This is your anointing, Father. Give us that supernatural boldness. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What an awesome time, guys. If you want to sow in the broadcast, you can. The links to give are there. If you're listening on audio, you can give on IsaiahSalivar.com slash partner. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.IsaiahSaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.